We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. This week on the Garage Beers Podcast, it is episode 79, and it is time for Ohio State football. And what better way to celebrate the kickoff to the Buckeye season than with one of the all-time greatest Buckeye football players, special guest on this podcast, none other than Andy Katzenmoyer. All that, plus we got Garage Beers of the Week, three cheers of the week, and so much more. So come on up the driveway. Open up your favorite lawn chair, crack open a cold one, and join us for Garage Beers. And welcome on in, everybody, to episode 79 of the Garage Beers podcast, brought to you proudly on the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network and on the Unhinged Radio Network. Go find the Garage Beers podcast at The Garage Beers on all of our socials, on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, go find our YouTube and subscribe to our YouTube page uh, and so much more. Uh, with you as always, I am your host, Michael Keith. You can find me at Garage Beers Mike. And I'm joined by my two dudes, one over on the east side. Find him online at Garage Beers Chad. It's Chad Meyer. What's up, Chad? Hi, 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 hi. Oh, wow. That was that was a good one. Wow. That was a good Energetic. one. <laughs> Uh, boys, because uh, you want to know why? Because it's like Christmas for me today. Okay. Well, Merry uh, Christmas. Thank you. The UAB Blazers are taking <laughs> on the Jacksonville State Gamecocks right now. And not that I really give a total shit about this game. Uh, but what, to not, what, what this game does is this is kicking off six straight days of college football, my friend. And Oof. I could not be happier. You know, now, don't get me wrong. I love my Browns. You know, I love the NFL. I love pro football, but uh, I am a I am a much bigger college football fan uh, uh, than I am the NFL. Like if like like come NFL Sunday, like I, I'm glued to the TV for the Browns. Sometimes I'll watch the Sunday night game because that's usually a pretty good matchup. But if you give me a Saturday with nothing to do, I could watch college football from the first game to the last game. I love it. Let's go. I agree. I'm a total opposite of you. I'd much rather watch pro football than college football, but I get it, man. Like, and, 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 and your point stands. It's a very valid point, Chad, because the best part about this time of the year is that like 
I don't know, Tuesday night, let's watch a Mac game. Let's just watch a Mac game or, you know, like Thursday, there's nothing else going on. Let's watch some random game that's going on. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. I I totally agree with you. Let's go. We'll get excited, Chad. All right. Chad's all excited. Feliz Navidad to you, Chad. Uh, Thank you. And then down there in Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, go on. Go, Chad. And also with you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's enough of that. Down in Nashville, Tennessee. All right. Our other co-host. You can find him online at Garage Beers Joe. It's Joey Whalen. What's up, Joe? Hi. I'm the exact opposite of Chad. College football is very fun to watch, but I don't sit all Saturday watching it. No, I I don't eat I don't either. I can't. But if I had a Saturday, well, you do have a history of watching. What was who were you watching at like nine a.m. last year that we like tried to call you out on? But you're like, no, I've watched several of their games. Oh was no, B- oh B- BYU, BYU. Yeah. BYU. Yeah. Oh yeah, you watch a ton of BYU. <laughs> well, and that's the thing I did because <laughs> because you you're like Mike was like, oh, you have two kids, sir, and I'm like, yeah, and that's why nine o'clock is the perfect time for me to watch college football uninterrupted yeah yeah Yeah, that was that was one of my favorite shutdown arguments that have ever happened on this show (laughs) yeah because of my kids and it's just like oh yeah you could do that at 9 a.m yeah when they're in bed if you're you're listening to this from byu uh we know you're paying chad we know you're paying chad to keep continuously bringing up byu football nobody cares about byu nobody cares about provo utah Right. Well, listen, I've officiated all fourth and fifth of their wives' weddings. <laughs> <laughs> Chad. Yep. Chad. You can go. I had to. I had to. I had to. Yeah. That's, that's just low hanging fruit right there. Okay. <laughs> all right. Things are just going off. What's going on, Joe? What's, is there anything happening with you that we can switch <laughs> off of that nonsense? No, absolutely nothing. <laughs> all right. Absolutely nothing. I think that's the perfect note to end on. You should see how hard Chad's vein is popping out of his forehead because he's <laughs> oh, made himself laugh. The road, laughs. The road, the road map? That's like the treasure map right there. Plus, it's consider- a little center. Considering the size of Chad's head, that's like a flipping whole artery up there. Oh, yeah, and it was kind of hidden when I had hair, but now that I don't, it's just woo. It just goes all the way back <laughs> it's there, just up there. It's like a oh wishbone. My God. It's like a turkey, like a wishbone. Look at that. Oh my God. Well, that's those are the guys, uh, and uh, <laughs> uh, like I said, go find the show at the Garage Beers and. Get over to our store at uh, or at uh, www.garagebeersmerch. I always want to say at. Are you going to say www? What is it? 2004? No. World <laughs> Wide <laughs> Web, period. <laughs> HTTP colon backslash backslash. <laughs> it's the internet. Just go to garagebeershop.com and buy some merch, uh, T-shirts and hats, uh, all for sale on there. So go check that out. Guys, we have uh, such an incredible show here. Again, Chad brought it up at the beginning of the show. It is college football season. It is underway. We are officially in week one as week zero happened last weekend. And guys, to commemorate, I I can't tell you how excited I am for this. Uh, And I know you guys are the same way. To commemorate the kickoff of college football season, we're about to throw it to an interview that Chad and I did with literally one of the greatest Ohio State Buckeyes in history. Andy Katzenmoyer joined us, and, uh, man, it's so fun to catch up with Andy. But, like, what a way to get ready for the season. 
my dad would like, my dad would go nuts. My dad, my dad was a defensive coordinator for 35 years at the high school level. It just at a, at a couple of different schools. And he was this Andy Katz and Moyer was one of his favorite linebackers of all time, just because of how big, how physical that he played. But like, it didn't matter though. Right. Like Andy Katz and Moyer could have made like a shoestring tackle. And my dad would have been like, Whoa, fuck you. Like, did you see what Castamoyer did? I'm like, yeah, he made a tackle. He's like, yeah, but that was the most physical shoestring tackle. Uh, <laughs> his shoes are trembling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, listen, yeah. the the interview with Andy is great. It's so fun. We're going to relive some of his time with the Buckeyes. Uh, we're going to get some of his thoughts on his time, even talk a little bit about his time in the NFL, winning the Super Bowl. We got all that coming up here. But before we get to that, We've got to get to our show's namesake. We've got to get to our favorite segment of the show, and that is our Garage Beers of the Week. You know what? I'm going to start us off, boys. Wow. Yeah, I'm taking it. Help yourself. I'm taking this uh, because my beers for the next, I don't know, few months, couple of months for sure, are going to be just super uh, predictable. It's going to be boring, and I don't give a shit because – I am. I think I'm going to try all the pumpkin beers. Great. Okay. If, if you're listening out there and you make a pumpkin beer, if you're a brewery and you make one, send it to me because I want it. I want to it's try it. Be, it's not going to be hard. We do the show once a week. I don't give. I, I don't listen. Don't. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. We're sticking with pumpkin beers because it's my favorite. All right. So all this right. time. I'm going to one of my absolute favorite breweries. One of my favorite places to hang out, to be honest. I love this place. I love the restaurant just outside of downtown Cleveland on the west side here on Detroit Road. It's Saucy Brew Works. Uh, Again, we've talked about them on the show before. Awesome food, pizza, wings, delicious, great bar, great place to watch football games. I am all for Saucy Brew Works, so I've got a Saucy Brew Works. It is called their Boo Thang. It's called Boo Thang. Oh, hey, boo. And it is an imperial pumpkin ale, eight and a half percenter. It's awesome. Wow. It's awesome. It's awesome. I I got nothing. I don't, there's no bad pumpkin beers. There's no bad pumpkin beers. I just give it to me, inject it in my veins. Saucy Brew Works, boo thing. That's my garage beer of the week. I'm just going to pretend it's got soul and it's not really a pumpkin beer. Like, hey, boo thing. Hey, hey. Okay, Chad. That was, I don't know. That was that was gorgeous. That move you just did there. I wish the people could see that. Thank uh, you. Thank you. If uh, we can get back to live streaming, people would see it. Well, that's fair. We will get there uh, once your internet supports it. Uh, anyways, it. over to Chad for his garage beer of the week. <laughs> well, uh, fellas, I got another North Carolina beer coming at you this week. Uh, this is from Blowing Rock Brewery, and it's in oh. Hickory, North Carolina, and it's a Clementine Kolsch beer. Clementine. Kolsch wow. beer. Orange. Uh, yeah, it's a tasty beer. It's, it's a tasty beer. Very subtle, very well balanced. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. There's nothing really uh, much really to say about it. It's just a smooth drinking beer. How excited do you think Dwayne The Rock Johnson gets when he reads the name of that brewery? Blowing Rock. <laughs> 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 well, I got to think his wife runs and hides. <laughs> 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 All right, Chad. Chad's got the Colson. Now let's send it down to Nashville. Joey, what's your garage beer of the week? 
I am also going to pumpkin route this week. Yes! Finally. I'm so excited. Um, and it's actually, it's bittersweet because I got the beer and the pizza I wanted, but the pizza took like 45 minutes to make. And it made me almost very late for this podcast. But luckily I got here with one minute to spare. Whoop, whoop, whoop. So <clears throat> I got also, I get like why pizza like makes sense at breweries, but like, is there like other food that like breweries can do? Because you're saying like saucy, saucy does have great pizza, but like, is there like another staple that like breweries could have? Mm. I feel like there's, I feel like there's like, I feel like a, like a, like a beer cheese dip is usually like a staple or like yeah. some sort of like dip, like pretzel and cheese. Well, I feel like, I yeah. feel like when you go to a brewery, you, you, you get like one of three things you get the brewery that doesn't have food. You get yeah. the brewery that has like those kind of things, Chad, like dip and like yeah. some snacks, some snacks. Right. right. And then you, and then you get a brewery that has like a kitchen and food, but I don't know sure. if I'm at a brewery for brewery purposes. Like, I guess there's a couple places. Like if you go to fat heads here, it's got like the full menu, all the food yeah. and all that, but I'm down with pizza and wings at a brewery. It just, it's too good together. It, it, it makes too yeah. much sense. Right? Yeah. It's just one of those classic combinations. It's like peanut butter and jelly. Very true. All right. So what's your uh, beer this week? <laughs> shit, my bad. Uh, okay. From tailgate brewery right down the street. Uh, I have the hashtag basic pumpkin. Ale. Oh, go on. Okay. And it is, it's light, just a five percenter, but I've never had a beer taste more like a pumpkin pie. Like mm. it is all encompassing pumpkin pie in this beer. It is so good. All right. Nice. nice. Sounds delicious. Very Thank happy. you for joining me in the pumpkin patch here tonight, Joe. Uh-huh. Super exciting. You know what? I have to be you here know, for many weeks. You know where I didn't go, and you guys are going to be very upset with me? To the bathroom? To the bathroom before we Ah, oh, yeah. Ah, no, 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 I did. I did do that. And if I and if I had to, I would just walk outside on the porch here. It'd be no big deal. Uh, anyway. Uh, Your neighbor's got to love you. I did not go to cookout when I was in North Carolina. You didn't go to cookout? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. The closest Wait, you didn't one, want to spend an entire day in the drive-thru line? The closest <laughs> one to me was like 25 minutes away. So I could not go. I, 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 I'm, I'm sorry, is that drive. far? 25 minutes? minutes? When, I'm, uh, when I'm hammered? Yeah, it's oh, a wow. little far, Mike. That, little that far. is the only time you can have cookout. You cannot be sober and eat that food. Oh. But you can't. It's just, it doesn't hit the same. All right. I don't know. I don't know anything about cookout, but that, again... Very valid point there, Chad. Come to Nashville I, and get drunk, and we'll get cooked out. And it's it's the best hitting drunk food that was ever created. All right, done. Yeah, done. I just want to clarify: I would not condone anybody driving twenty five minutes or four minutes or one minute <laughs> drunk. So you can Uber. <laughs> we'll there. get a DD. I'm not going to drive. Throw it back there. All right. So you get a bird though. Yeah. Oh, oh, the scooter. I, can't you can't you catch like a charge on a on a motorized vehicle if you're hammered? Uh, I mean, people just go down the highways in them, so I that's assume not okay. That being is drunk not is okay. the least of the concerns. <laughs> All right, those are our garage beers of the week. Get online and share with us at the garage beer. Share with us your garage beers of the week. Send us a picture. Send us suggestions. We are always willing to try them out. I'm looking for new pumpkin beers to try, so send Wait, those my way. Two weeks in a row that I've condoned like very illegal things. What was last week's? Stop it. Eating a poisonous spider. Well, oh, yeah. Well, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
again, don't do that. We uh, gotta start putting that in the show notes. What's, well, Joe, your head's swelling up. Is, what happened? I just ate a black yeah. widow. Oh, I'll add it to my LinkedIn profile of all the things I'm condoning, apparently, on this show. Lord. Oh, you've got a brown recluse problem? It's a delicacy. It gets rid of your stomach acid. Why don't we just grab a <laughs> grab a quick bite? Just grab a quick bite of that. Uh, we're off the rails already, but we've got a big, uh, big show, a big interview that we're going to send it to now. But again, send us your suggestions. Send us what you're drinking. We'll shout you out. We'll retweet you, all that stuff. Uh, but to you guys here on the podcast, cheers to you, the listener, cheers. And now it's time to send it over to an incredible interview with the one and only Ohio State Buckeye legend, Andy Katzenware. All right. Now we're, we're really excited this week. This week we are joined by literally Ohio State football royalty as we're gearing up for Buckeye season. It's hard to believe summer coming to an end and it's football season. Our guest this week on the Garage Beers podcast played three seasons at Ohio State. He was a three-time All-Big Ten selection, an All-American, a Butkus Award winner, a Jack Lambert Trophy Award winner, a first-round NFL draft pick, and uh, his name is enshrined in the Ohio State Athletics Hall of Fame, one of the all-time greatest to ever lace him up for the Buckeyes, Andy Katzenmoyer, joining us here on the podcast. Andy, welcome to the Garage Beers Podcast. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thank you for thank you for jumping on. I, I'm looking at Chad, and he is just <laughs> Chad. Chad played a little tackle football, and he oh, looks yeah. like he's ready to take out a couch or something. Like he is geared <laughs> up. Andy, I, I can't even tell you, dude, what this means to me that you joined us for a little bit. My I, I, my brother and I used to practice <laughs> like form tackle. My my dad was a defensive coordinator in high school for 35 years. We used to practice tackling in our front yard. And we would try to emulate your tackling. Uh, of course, my brother was like 150 pounds heavier than me, so I was Corby Jones. Uh, <laughs> but, 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 uh, dude, I, I can't even like. And you're, and the thing is, like, you still look like you can play today. Like, you're still jacked. Like, Corby has to look at some of the Instagram photos you post, and like, can't get out of bed for two days because he just has this, <laughs> this, the chills from that hit. Well, I, I like, appreciate. Like, yeah, I, I appreciate the vote of confidence I, I assure you that my playing days are far behind me as i as i truly do feel my age hey listen we all get there eventually but it's, chad that makes a lot more sense now i've done this podcast with you for i've known you for a long time it makes a lot more sense if your brother was hitting you like andy katz and where it makes a lot of sense why your head's a little lopsided a little bit here and there <laughs> well, sure 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 <laughs> but no man like one of my favorite things is you played with such an intensity and anger like I, I don't know. Like, did, where did that come from? Like, did your dad play growing up or is it just something like, when did you fall in love with football? Well, I, I wasn't allowed to play football until I was in the sixth grade. My, uh, my parents were worried that I was, I would hurt myself. Uh, I, I guess I, I wasn't clumsy, but with my growth pattern, there were times where I wasn't the most coordinated, but I grew up playing, you know, baseball, uh, basketball, soccer, and they finally allowed me to play in the sixth grade. My, my dad played, he's from the Columbus area. And then actually he was a freshman at Iowa state when John Cooper was a senior at Iowa state. Oh, nice. Oh, so okay. I, I didn't even realize that, or my dad didn't even tell me that story until I was being recruited by Ohio state and, oh. and John Cooper actually brought it up. Um, so yeah, he, you know, my, my my mom's side, there's some good athletes. My dad's side, there's some good athletes. 
Um, so I just, I grew up, I was probably a better baseball player than I was a football player, Jeez. but I fell, I just, I fell out of love with baseball and fell in love with football just because of the, um, the physical aspects of it. And I mean, I really did enjoy taking up my frustrations out on people on the football field. And my, um, all my coaches I ever had instilled the physical side of the sport. Um, so I'll, I'll say this, my, my class in high school, we were, we had gotten used to, you know, being hit and hitting people and the physicality of the yeah. game so much so that this, our senior year, we only dressed 32 players on varsity. There was no JV team because the entire sophomore class did not want to play football because they didn't want to get hit by us. I was going to say your parents, your parents were right to worry about somebody getting hurt. It just wasn't you. Right. <laughs> they were looking out for the other kids. Right. And I, I, it's, I mean, I understand their concern at the same time. Um, anyways, to answer your question, like it, it's just been ingrained the, the physical style of play. Yeah. Um, sure. And it was, I, I enjoyed, I enjoy hitting people. I didn't enjoy hurting <laughs> yeah. people, but um, <laughs> that's the nature of the beast. Yeah. Right. Back in those days, man, when you heard that, when you heard that little, <gasps> like, like when you took the wind out of a guy, that was like the ultimate, like, I hope you're not hurt, but that was awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean it, th that's a hundred percent. Like my, my very yeah. first, <laughs> yeah. my very first play, I, I played defensive tackle my sophomore year in varsity Junior year, I got moved back to linebacker. The very first play that I played, we we're playing Cleveland East. The tailback got the ball. I'm I'm running my rail. Like I'm I'm running downhill. The guy never saw me. And next thing I next thing you know, he was flattened. The ball was 15 you know feet in the air. And that was my very first play playing linebacker in high school. Oh, jeez. So, it, it was, and I love this. God. Yeah. No, it was, it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, you've, you've, uh, I love that you said you love to hit people. I, I know you've, you've built a very successful career for yourself. You're in the, in the insurance world after mm -hmm. your football uh, career. Do the meetings get a little more intense this time of year? Uh, no, <laughs> no, actually it, it becomes, um, I still, my, my body, it's funny you say that my body, Around July-ish, my body starts – I feel like I have more energy in the mornings. I, I just – I think I got used yeah. to waking up and getting ready for camps and just – and so I have a bit more, like, restless energy uh, in the July through the fall. But, um, <laughs> no, like, I, again, it's been – it's been a long time since I played this game. So – um, but I still have some some semblance of in, inner tickings of wanting to play. I love. Yeah, you must. You walk into the office like, let's go. Right, for sure. You're like, oh god, it's football season. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
All right. So we're going to, we're going to talk a little bit about modern football in just a little bit, but we do want to, we want to throw it back and just have some fun reliving your time as a player, because there aren't many players who have had an impact the way you did. And to an extent, the way you still do have an impact. And as a member of the Ohio state hall of fame, when you look back at the late nineties at your time at Ohio state, and you realize that you're one of the greatest to ever do it for the Scarlet and gray. Just what, what does that feel like when you look back? Is that surreal? Like, you know, it, it, it just, the impact that you made and the legacy that you left is incredible. Um, you know, it's, it's, I really, when I go back in time and think about my, my experience at Ohio state, I think about the friendships I created, the, the games we, we won, the games we lost, uh, the chances we missed out on, and I guess the experience. I don't, I don't necessarily, necessarily think about the, the personal accolades that I accomplished. Um, but at the same time, when you when you then reconnect with guys that played after you, um, and they talk about watching me play and the influence, it's it, it feels. I feel very honored. It's, it's a very, um, in the moment, you don't think about that as a 18 to 21 year old kid. But then now you go back and look at it and you're like, you know what? That was pretty awesome. Are you happy that you were able to kind of leave a little bit of a mark on the great history with this, you know, an awesome university that has so much football history. So you talked a little bit about growing up playing high school ball. You were a beast in high school, uh, you know, national defensive player of the year, Mr. Football here in Ohio. You grew up in Ohio. Uh, you grew up in the Columbus area. What was that recruiting process like? Was it always just going to be Ohio State or were, 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 were there other serious contenders for you? No, I, Ohio State was very high on the list. Um, I was looking at Penn State. Um, looked at them hard. And really, the other big option for me was Michigan State. Um, that, made me, that made me nervous right there for a second. I'm glad you <laughs> stayed in on the backside of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know, all three of those, all, all three of those schools ran a similar style defense uh, in high school, and I felt setting and find success. They all had all, you know, Ohio state, Penn state, uh, Michigan state all had excellent coaches. Um, but really it came down to my comfort level at Ohio state and how I thought that John Cooper said to me in my living room, he goes, Andy, if you go to Ohio state, Ohio State will forever take care of you. And he didn't promise me that I'd start. He didn't promise me a number. He didn't promise me anything. He just said, you know, if you come, you know, we'll take care of you. And I'm like, I, I, and I remember Nick Saban telling me that if I came to Michigan State, I'd start right away. And uh, Joe Pa gave me the full court press. I just, I just felt like I was being sold by those two places. More yeah, than Ohio right. State, I feel like with Ohio State, they um, they understood that I would, I, I wanted to earn my stripes. Sure. 
Well, you know, the funny thing is through all of that, right? The promises of starting. But as far as that, everyone else. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I'm saying, but as far as everyone, I mean, I, I remember being recruited by, you name it. I had. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Four or five big size boxes of what like back then they used to get letters, not phone calls, right. text messages. <laughs> right. And um, I remember, I remember getting letters. I remember my first letter was from Indiana, uh, and I thought that was the coolest thing. I'm like, oh my oh, gosh, sure. being recruited. Oh, it's so cool. And um, and fortunately for me, it helped that I had played with a lot of other great players that helped me. You know put me on the map as far as my playing style and the playing ability. And I think my, my junior year, the team we had, we ended up having, I think about 10 guys played division one football. So I think we all kind of helped each other with, with just being recruited. Yeah, that's great. And of course, coming in, you had huge expectations uh, on you uh, just, just being, you know, just uh, let alone the, the whole recruiting class was the number one recruiting class in the nation. Let alone. But it, you you yourself did have the expectations coming in so much that uh, Cooper actually went to Archie Griffin and asked permission for you to wear number 45. Uh, what are the feelings like that? Knowing a two-time Heisman winner, you know, kind of just gave his blessing and said, yeah, absolutely. Well, Archie, Archie lives in the same hometown that I'm from. He lives in Westerville. And I remember seeing him uh at pv games and stuff so i i i, I knew archie i've talked to archie um okay. but it, again i i um it wasn't like a make or break deal right um and i didn't even realize honestly i honestly got i didn't realize how significant um what I was asking, I mean, I guess I'm naive in that way. I knew he was a two-time <laughs> high trophy winner. I knew that people didn't wear that number, but I wasn't trying to be insulting about it. Um, right. It was more of yeah, a compliment right. to him. Um, but I also didn't understand the amount of scrutiny and pressure I would be under by wearing that number. I was just going to say, like, you know, obviously different back in the, in the mid to late 90s, where you weren't just bombarded with social media and all that stuff as a kid. But I can imagine, did you catch some flack for that? Like, were there people that were kind of upset that you would have even suggested wearing that number? Um, uh, there was some indications from the media, but no one ever outside of that indicated any kind of, like, no, no teammates of mine said anything. Um, no coaches. Um, it really, they didn't make a big deal about it. Uh, I just remember my first early, early on interviews being asked and it kind of hit me that I'm like, Oh yeah, that, that's just the outside world looks at this as a bigger thing than right. the inside world of Ohio sure, State football. Sure. So, so, um, but I was, I was, everything was, you know, going a thousand miles an hour <laughs> my freshman year, everything was so new. I, I still didn't, really get a chance to sit down and think about the significance of the number until probably after the season. So your freshman year was crazy. And you said everything's moving a thousand miles an hour. The funny thing is you talk about Paterno and you talk about Saban and offering you a chance to start and all that. Well, you do, you start, you are, you're, you're the first true freshman to start at linebacker for Ohio state literally ever. 
so you talked a lot about moments. You talked about the things that are important to you being less about like the individual accolades in the moment. Can you still relive that first time you ran out in the horseshoe, uh, knowing that you were about to play for the Buckeyes? Yeah, it's I, I, I can I remember I remember running out in the field and just hearing the band play, and I like I felt like my heart was just pounding out of my chest. Um, and fortunately, we played Rice, and they ran an inside outside veer, which is what we ran in high school. Oh, nice! And so. I felt really comfortable going into that because I'm like, hey, I've seen this a thousand times before. So um, that was pretty easy to kind of get ready for. Um, The first big game I had to really, I really felt uh, like pressure, pressure was when we traveled to Notre Dame. Um, they were yeah. like a top 15 team and going to Notre Dame and Notre Dame was the one team that did not recruit me. So oh, uh, I'm like, I want to put it on these suckers. Um, yes. yeah, I think, and I, think <laughs> I think we all did because it was Notre Dame. Like they're just, um, sure. they had this arrogance about them. So, but going in on a national stage, uh, with a premier program as well as Notre Dame, at their place. It was my first road game. So it was all that stuff. And then I, I think at that point, the guys around me that was, they were a senior laden team. So they weren't sure how I'd step up in that situation. And I felt like I held my own. Um, and after that game, everything kind of got a little bit easier per se. So how do you have, how do you have like four or five boxes of recruiting letters? Like, what's Notre Dame doing over there? Right. You know what? What are you, what are you doing? That's a, that's a great question. I, I don't understand <laughs> myself. Uh, it's not like your name didn't get out in Indiana. They were the first ones to offer you. Right. <laughs> right. I, I honestly don't. I don't know. Uh, I think to me, it explains their struggles in the late nineties and early two thousands. I'm not sure. I just don't feel like they recruited. There are a lot of guys that I know that were great players that didn't get recruited by them. So I think that there was something happening from the, you know, administration or AD's office or something was missing. I don't know. So you, you go into that freshman year. Mm -hmm. It had to have helped. Uh, you know, obviously you acclimated very quickly. I don't know if it felt like it to you or not, but from watching it, it did, but you're out there also playing, you know, offensively, you've got guys like David Boston and Joe Germain and Orlando Pace and defensively you're over there with Niall Diggs, Luke Fickle, uh, Mike Vrabel, those guys, Antoine Winfield, uh, you know, you guys were really kind of that team of the, of the John Cooper era. How, how did it, how much did it help a young kid coming in with so much promise and hype? to have a lot of other special and spectacular players around you. It, it was huge. Um, to think of it, like Antoine Winfield was our nickel corner. Right. Oh, and, I know. Right. You had, we had Sean Springs and Ty Howard on the outside. Yes. Um, Sean was a junior, but he, it was his last year. Ty was a senior last year. 
both defensive ends. Uh, we had Vrabel, Finkus were seniors. Fickle was a senior. We had a sophomore uh, strong side tackle who had has experience, though. Um, both outside linebackers we I had were both seniors. And both safeties, one was a senior, one was a sophomore. So there was – and they, they came off such a good year the year before. They yeah. I think they lost to Michigan. They lost to Tennessee. They were very, very good. They were hungry. And the the premise was the, – the feeling that I got was, hey, don't mess this up for us. <laughs> and, uh, and Welcome to the team, kid. Don't F this right. up. Don't mess it up. Step up. And um, I think I, I have to give credit to my teammates and really the coaching staff to kind of bring me along um, the way that they did and hopefully, you know, allow things to be easier. Like Greg Belsari still called the defense and, you know, ran the yeah. huddle, which made my life easier because I could just then think about what the call was and the down and distance and all that stuff and just kind of focus on that. Um, and I had really like when it came to coaching and on the field and off the field, really that they, they kind of set me up to make plays, which was nice. Um, and a lot of guys, and I surprised a lot of people cause not many freshmen can kind of come into that, that window, especially in the big 10 when it's, it was such a run heavy run heavy conference power football right and and take the pounding and take the you know take all those hits and can get back up and keep on at it so um i was it was i was very fortunate with the situation that i came in to have such an experienced group so um that being said yeah it was it was pretty cool all right, so I I don't mean to bring the the mood down, but I, I I'm interested to hear your take on this because when you look back at that era, so many good teams like your three years there, mm-hmm. tremendous football, tremendous football, uh, but the the continued look back, fair or not, on on really the Coop era, is just not being able to avoid that one loss, not yeah. being able to avoid that one game, whether it was Michigan or Michigan State or whoever it was, when you have, have run through those, I'm sure a billion and a half times in your head, what, what was it that led to like, cause you look at those scores and it's like 38 to three, 42 to 14, 70. And then all of a sudden it's 13 to nine. And, and, and you, the team comes up a little short. What, what do you think caused the one week? Uh, is it just like a killer schedule back then in the big 10? No, I really think it was – so the losses to Michigan, like that I, – I, I noticed like freshman year, the whole mood changed in the locker room from the coaches and everything. Like everything changed. And mm-hmm. um, so the Big Ten was extremely difficult, I think, back right. then. Our schedule, I mean, Wisconsin was good. Northwestern was good. Michigan was good. Michigan, uh, Penn State was very good. Michigan State had incredible athletes. They were just inconsistent. Um, 
So I'm trying to think of who else was good. Um, <laughs> um, that's probably it, like year in and year out. Those were all, right. I mean, someone else would always be good. Oh, yeah. Probably Penn yeah. State, I think. Yeah. So I wouldn't say we went through like a juggernaut, but at the same time, we we were the team that everyone got up for. So we got everyone's best shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and there there wasn't a lot of games we could just kind of coast in when it came actually to the Big Ten. So, right. and when you're dealing with the age group that we're that you're dealing with of 18, 19, 20 year old kids, like it's mm-hmm. hard to get them sure. focused week in and week out and be competitive. So it's um, I'm sure the coaches will go back and wish we could change something. I know we could go back and wish we could change it, but at the same time, we, I don't think anyone, any one of us wanted us to, to fail or lose. So, sure. um, I, it's unfortunate that John Cooper is remembered for all of his losses. Cause yeah. I really feel like he put Ohio state on the national map when it came to recruiting and mm-hmm. bringing bringing in the the amazing talent that has come in since his era. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Ohio State wouldn't be where it's at today without John Cooper. Yeah, oh, 100% agree. I mean, uh, you did make it to a Rose Bowl in, in that classic 20-17 uh, oh. to 17 game, man. I, I still remember it to this day. Exactly. Uh, I remember right where I was. What, uh, you know, what was it like for you with all the the, the hoopla of going into the Rose Bowl finally and, you know, and getting that win. I mean, w- did it just kind of feel like a, just a 10,000 pound weight off your guys' shoulders, especially Cooper, especially coach Cooper? Honestly, uh, no, I, I don't. The, the week was a blur for me. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> okay. I don't okay. remember. I remember very little. I remember the game. I don't remember anything right. else. I remember rain pretty much the whole week. It was kind of gray and overcast. Um, there were a few social functions I remember. Um, <laughs> but aside from that, like really, like it was, uh, it was a blur. I, I tried mm-hmm. talking to some like our twenty fifth reunion for that game is coming up this year. We're gonna we're gonna be doing nice. doing something for the homecoming game at Ohio State where okay. we'll get together. Awesome. And I'm like, I'm like, first of all, 20, remembering something 25 years ago is, is a judgment itself. <laughs> and then when you're when you're a, when you're a freshman and everything's a million miles an hour, it makes it even more hard to remember. So, um, but I mean, my three years at Ohio State, you know, we went a Rose Bowl victory, Sugar Bowl loss, and a mm-hmm. Rose Bowl or a Sugar Bowl victory. I mean, yeah. that's pretty good. Yeah. I'm pretty. I'm, yeah. Yeah. Right. I can't complain about the the five games we lost. I could, but I'm not going to, you know? So what's the, di- yeah. so what's the difference for you? Like, right. You're, you, you were a leader of the team from almost the day you started. Uh, uh, you talked about it being such a blur, that Rose bowl, your, your last season at Ohio state, you, you beat Texas A&M in the sugar bowl. Uh, what was the difference uh, for you? Like, how did you experience that differently? Was everything at that point, you know, you're getting ready to leave Ohio State. Uh, you're obviously looking ahead at the draft. What What was the difference in that? Were you able to enjoy that a little bit more? Was it Was it less of a blur? Yes, very much. So freshman year, so 
I guess the best way to think about it is this way. My freshman year, I focused on my position, what I needed to do, what my keys were, what my assignments were, and just stayed in my, stayed in my box. Sophomore year is when I started to learn really the bigger picture. The game slowed down. Um, I took that whole off season. I was able to look, look at film and study film and see what, teams had done and kind of just pick up tendencies and patterns and understand the uh the bigger picture of the game um more there was more responsibility that i had because all those seniors were now gone and we had to you know reload which we did um but i was now calling the signals and giving my input and then junior year the game got a little bit more slower um and when I say slower, I mean like I could process information faster. So I knew yeah. by by the time my junior year, I could I could communicate to the whole defense. If we did have a breakdown, I knew by what the offense ran and what we were what we were supposed to do on the on the defensive side, what right. what we were not getting. And so um it was really a combination of just my age understanding of the game of football, but also being taught by some great coaches, the scheme and the game that we were playing. So um, that's how the difference was. If that explains it. So you, yeah, absolutely. So you get drafted by the, you know, the Pats in the first round when you leave mm-hmm. and, you know, and unfortunately got it, you know, in a couple of years, you sustained a neck injury, your rookie year that, you know, you tried, you played through it for another year, but you just couldn't, uh, you, you decided to call it uh, a career. How was it? I mean, was that, was that a tough call? I mean, did you, did you want to, or was that, was that more of like, listen, this is, this is what it is. Like how, how, how tough was it to walk away for you? Um, hmm. It was, it was a challenge to say, to say the least. I, I felt very, um, I tried playing I, all my injuries I ever had. I was able to play through them. And this was the first one I actually needed surgery on. Um, I got hurt, I think like week 10 or week 11 against Buffalo, my rookie year, finished out the season causing more damage to my, my C-spine, mm-hmm. uh, which then, caused more damage to the nerve that was affected. So it made the, the process longer to recover from. Um, I recovered that off season, but not enough to withstand the force that I was putting my, my, that joint under, you know, on a routine mm-hmm. basis. Yeah. And, um, re aggravated it, tried to play eight more games and, it just wasn't the same. So I finally had a single level fusion and the, the doctor, it's actually, it's, so my doctor was down in Dallas. Um, and I don't know if you guys have seen this, um, this doctor death. Have you guys seen this? Yes. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. God, it's like, it's like all the rage right now. So my yes. wife and I are yeah. watching it and it's <laughs> oh, like no. the guys in Dallas, I'm like, 
have I run pa- have I crossed past this guy? I wonder if he knows the doctor. But I'm, so anyway, uh, luckily enough, God. they didn't try to put you in a little pod, did they? Like, no. Luckily <laughs> enough, I'm not going in did, there. That guy, did, we didn't, I didn't cross past. Anyways, my doctor was fantastic. He had no problems. But he said, "Hey, you're going to have because we've um, isolated this this now fixed fix this joint. You're going to have more pressure above and below." And at that point in time, I had so much nerve problems that I I didn't want to subject myself to that anymore. I could still run. I could still, I mean, even with it hurt neck, I couldn't, it was weird. Like I'm, I'm six, three at the time when I was playing, I'm six, three, two seventy, two sixty five ish. And I'm, I'm their nickel and dime linebacker, which yeah. that's not normal. I mean, like normally like right, you're right. the first or second down guy that's going to stop the run. And then, you have a smart, more, you know, more, more athletic guy come in, but that wasn't the case for me. So it was hard because I knew that I could still play, but mm-hmm. I knew, and I had, I had, you know, I had a handful of teams reach out to my agent and say, Hey, you know, we're interested. And I just, I knew that I could not play the game like I wanted to. I knew that I'd have to change and I, I didn't want to be a, 40 year old and and have multiple issues that would, would, yeah. would last the rest of my life. I want to be a 20 year old and have issues, but I'm saying like, I knew that down the road, yeah, right. I have, I have more and more problems. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an incredible thing that so many football players have to go through. Right. And, and, and it had to have been crushing at the time. It has to, you have to want to punch Tom Brady uh, fairly consistently because you were on the Pats and, and then everything that they, they did. Uh, but at the same time, I, I would imagine at this point in your life, uh, you know, you, it's got to make you feel like you look back and you're like, yeah, that was the right call. Because like you said, you don't want to get to this point in your life and be like incapacitated. Correct. Well, it is. Yeah. It's no, I don't regret what happened. I don't regret the injury. I don't regret the, I remember talking to my agent and saying I want to do a shorter contract so I can get back to free agency. Like I don't regret any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Sure. I didn't have it. I didn't have a history of injuries. I had no idea, no no inclination that I would get hurt. And I think um, that's just it's the nature of the beast. Like it's a physical yeah. game. Yeah. You're I'm playing against grown men at that point in the NFL, <laughs> and right. it's. Again, it can happen, and that it happened. So, um, it's it's not very common to have neck is, neck issues. Uh, it's more common to have shoulders or elbows or hips or right. ankles or whatever. But right. at the same time, I I feel extremely fortunate. I've I hit so many of my um, athletic goals in life that I can't complain. I mean, I yeah, I walked away the game a Super Bowl champion. I walked out on top, which is awesome. That's right. awesome. Yeah, most guys don't get to do that. So. Um, no. No, we know we're from Cleveland, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, we know it right. as we you know. do. Yeah. But I, hey, I will say this: so I'm actually uh, I'm I'm NFL alumni president here in Central Ohio, and I've yes. become good friends with the the Cleveland chapter president. And I think it's Frank Stams, great guy. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay, love Frank Stams. And so he came. His stories about Belichick and coming into Cleveland mirror oh, the stories that. that i have about him coming in, in, <laughs> into new england so um 
just so you think about all those Browns fans, you could have had this, but you let Belichick go. Nope. No, just no. A, not just, us. We just didn't. A, I know. I'm just, I'm just messing with you guys. No, I'm just messing no. with you. Just a, I'm sure, I'm sure he was just a ball of energy, right? Just kind of got, got, got up every, uh, every game. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you okay. this. So, so his first year, he comes in and he is running a very challenging camp. Like we played Detroit in a preseason game in Detroit, flew back the next day and had a two a day practice in full pass. Oh. I mean, he put everyone on notice. He put the front Jesus. office staff, secretaries, oh trainers, coaches, you name it. Like everyone's oh on God. notice. Um, and so we break camp and he comes in and as you all know, he's kind of dry and um, <laughs> yeah. he comes in and he's standing in front of the whole team and he's talking in his monotone voice and I'm, I'm sitting next to Teddy Bruschi and he, 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 he says a joke, but, <laughs> but no one laughs. Like no one in the room laughs because, well, and I look at Teddy, I'm like, did he just make a joke? And he was like, I think so. I'm like, should we laugh? <laughs> because yes, Teddy knows yes. that, yeah, and he's like, yeah. So everyone like laughed like awkwardly like a few seconds afterward. <laughs> but that was, but, but that's, but that's what he had to come in and make that culture change. Um, sure. There were a oh number of guys that were left over from the Parcells Belichick era. Yeah, that were on the Patriots, and so. Um, what? Needless to say, yeah. I mean, Bill's a good dude. Like. When I got hurt, he got mad at me because it was the middle of the season. I came back from Dallas. He called me his office and he ripped me a new one because I didn't call him personally to let him know how the surgery went, um, oh, how geez, I was okay. doing with the rehab. Because I was updating our, our trainer and I'm like, right. my coach, I, I'm like, you're in the middle of the season. I didn't think that you want me to bother you with all this stuff. He's like, Andy, you're my player. You're my player. You're not. That's awesome. So, and I'm like, you know what? That's awesome. Yeah. Like he doesn't yeah, show that's it, awesome. but, but that's why guys are loyal to him. Cause behind closed doors, like he, he does care about his players. You know, he, he wants, he will remind you that your, your, your time is limited if you don't help him. But at the same time, if you do put that effort in, he will reciprocate. I want to say his little book, like his little notebook, like, Bill told a very funny joke today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why, did the chicken, why did the chicken cross the road? Like, right. it's, so, <laughs> so Andy, we have a couple quick hitters before we get you out of here. I know you got to You got to get going back to the real world, but a couple quick hitters before we let you out of here. Uh, and, uh, and so I want to start with this. You're, you're, you look back now, uh, back to your playing days. What's your, what's like your in, in game, your favorite moment that you had, whether it was at, at Ohio state or high school, or maybe the biggest hit you ever had, or just the one thing where you're like, that was an awesome moment of my career. Um, that's a, that's a good question. It's a Thank very you. good question. I think Chad came uh, up with that one. I would say, the, um, <laughs> you know, I would say the, the fourth down play against Wisconsin Stands out when, like, I kind of cheated and shot the gap, but made the play yes. still. Yep. Um, I didn't face mask him, by the way, but <laughs> no, 
No, no, you didn't. I did not. <laughs> and if they had caught it, I would have been mad. True. But no, like that was like the first big, big play that kind of I made in Ohio State. Like I made other plays, but like that was like a pivotal, right. like it was yeah. a close game at that point. And I sh- you know, took a shot and made it. And, um, and then I also, honestly, I, my, very, my very next one would be the Indiana strip and Matt Finkus touchdown. Yes. Yeah, that's I, that's I, don't, I don't even know why I thought about stripping that ball, <laughs> but I did. What am I doing? But it and happened. It, and it happened. I'm like, cool. All right. Awesome. All right. So, yeah. So this, this, those are my, probably my biggest two because they were, you know, freshman year, whatever. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. Another couple other things. I know I, uh, one of the things I wanted to get your thoughts on now, Andy, and if this was uh, available back in the day, I mean, guys might not even have to go to the pros now, but how do you feel about the uh, guys making money now off their name, image, and likeness? Um, I, this has been a very popular conversation with people I've had. Um, it's, I okay. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. For those that can make the money, I think it's uh-huh. horrible for those that can't. I, I, yeah, I, I really wish there was a better, a little bit more parameters, a little more guidelines as far as just how this is going to be or go. Or, sure. um, to, I mean, to have that kid, and I don't know this kid at all from Texas, the quarterback that left there, like for him right. to leave, yeah, you know, and miss out on his senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. It's something that you can never get back. First and foremost, right, secondly, right. for money, like it's, I mean, money's great. At the same time, I don't know is famous situation, financial, anything like that. But I couldn't imagine being that kid walking into a locker room at Ohio State with so many other amazing, talented players, and the mm-hmm. pressure that he's going to be under. Yeah. From his from his teammates, and then will that cause resentment? Will that, you know, will and it, so I, I just think it's going to open up a a whole bunch of can of worms that kids and coaches and the administration staff and compliance like it's just it's going to be a challenge. But at the same time, it's a, I think it's the right step for getting players compensated because it's it's a long time coming yeah it's it's yeah, a that- it's a funny thing andy because it's like you 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 have to you know when you see schools selling replica ohio state jerseys with like the number 80 on them or the number 10 or or, or whatever 45 mm-hmm. and you know that those players that wore those and the reason those were getting bought is because of those players and they're not getting anything there's so much that doesn't sit right about that but i also i i agree this whole situation with this incoming quarterback at Ohio state, it just seems so weird. Like, right. yeah. like we're now skipping high school. Like, like it's one thing to like want to skip out on college and go to the pros or whatever, but we're skipping high school now. Like, no, this, no, that seems like it's so far. And I know he graduated high school, but he's foregoing a senior season. Uh, it just seems, right. it seems so crazy. Yeah. I just, I, yeah, it doesn't sit well with me. Um, I mean, does he come into Ohio State in red shirt? Is he gray shirt? Like, what's that situation? Like, does he not? Is he not on the Like, I just don't know how that situation's yeah going to play out. I don't know what the the ripple effect of all this will be. 
time will tell, obviously. But sure. I think um, I think a better way. I always said that you know guys should get compensated, you know whether whether it be for their jersey or a likeness thing or whatever. But put that money into a a trust or not a trust, but into a something to where they can draw on that after they're done with school. Um, yeah. some kind of fund where they're not getting access to it, to it right away because that'll that's a that'll change everything. Like if this yeah. kid rolls up. You know, he, he makes a million dollars and he rolls up in a, you know, a hundred thousand dollar car. How is, how are those other players on his team going to, going to view him? Yeah. Right. hundred percent. Jack Sawyer just, Jack Sawyer just tweeted. He just got a brand new truck from Wahlberg Chevrolet down there. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that different perspective about the locker room, Andy, because, you know, my thinking was like, there's just going to be that much more pressure on that kid to perform. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't think about the other teammates. So that, that's a different, the other, how, how his teammates are going to look at him. So yeah, that's a interesting yeah. perspective. Well, the outside, the outside pressure today is ridiculous. Um, yeah. yeah. With oh, social yeah. media and crazy. The twenty-four hour news like news cycle, it's always going. It's they always want something new. Um, but then you you now add money into the equation. Oh, it's gonna be Yeah. The pressure crazy. I don't I don't it's professional don't, football. It really is. And but here's the thing, it's only professional for some. Right. Yeah, not right. not, yeah. not yeah. for all. Which is yeah. I don't think that's fair. So that's just me. All right, two more quick hitters. Yep. One, football's going crazy right now. The Big 12 is going to disappear. Uh, uh, there's realignment happening everywhere. The SEC is swallowing up basically the entire South. Uh, have you been paying attention to this all? Like, where do you feel I like have. this is going? Um, I, I mean, it's, I, I think it's – I'm a traditionalist. Mm-hmm. I wonder though, like, so, but I'm also open to, to concepts of change. I mean, the, the big 12 hasn't always been around. It used to be what the big eight and it was all Texas schools or something. Is that right? Or yeah, yeah like that? there was the big eight. There was the SWC. Yeah. yeah. Like it, there's been a lot of change in that, in that area of the world when it comes to football regarding how's that going to affect the PAC 12, big 10, SCC, ACC, all that stuff. I think, I've got to think the way it's going to go is there's going to be a super conference mm-hmm. and it'd be kind of cool if you could like have, let's say 16, 20 teams in the super conference. Yeah. And the SEC, this is called a whole brand new thing, but all the conferences <laughs> stay the same and you have teams that stay in that super conference then you have the let's say the last four, the bottom tier, drop back, drop back down the respective conference. They they get regulated, and then other teams get promoted up. So oh, it's kind of like a, like a Premier League almost. Correct. I think that would be a cool thing to do. And then you have you could do a twenty person playoff team, and you have each each conference winner you know come in and play in that play in this you know, this, this, um, playoff scenario. 
as well as the super conference teams. I think that's, that, that's one of the cooler ideas. I don't know if you just like, I don't know how much you've thought about that, but that's one of the cooler ideas I've heard. Because <laughs> yeah, like, right. Well, one of my gripes always, one of my gripes, and I know you uh, uh, top level Ohio state Buckeye. One of my biggest gripes is that there are teams out there playing football that don't have a shot at like a national championship, right? Because you could go to Bowling Green and go undefeated. You're not going to have a shot to win the national championship. Right. And that's a gripe. So I think if you had like different levels like that, that all competed, like everybody has a chance to win something at the end. And I think that's like, I think you give everybody the chance to be a champion. I, I you know, I think there's a lot of people that don't care about that, but I, I think that's cool. Well, I agree. Like the, the level of competition in the big 10, big 12 mm-hmm. pack 12. So we're just say, um, uh-huh. It's just way different yeah, right. than than smaller school, like you know the the MAC or whoever, um, right? Even some Mountain West, you know, Mountain West teams. Even like back in the day when Boise was really good, they were good, and they beat maybe Oklahoma and the Fiesta yeah. Bowl back in the day when it was a huge upset. But Oklahoma, they were flat the entire game. Like they just they didn't want to play that team. Like they they were right. bummed because they, they didn't miss, they missed out on whatever. So. Sure. Um, and I think in today's day and age, we've, we've got a sample of the four-team playoff. And if you look at Division Two, Division Three, Division One, AA, the playoffs, the cream of the crop, once they get established in that playoff system, the cream of the crop always comes out. Um, yeah. I mean, the, Division Three powerhouse, Mount Union, they're not, they're not good every – few years they're they're competitive every right. year right and if, right. if they're not if they're not if they're not playing for the national championship in b3 they've had a bad year yeah and that's mm-hmm. that's just the standard but everyone in in division three knows that you play your regular season and you go to you go to a playoff scenario so i don't know why we've gotten accustomed to this bowl games and they're great, but at the same time, there's so many now that I don't watch three quarters of them. <laughs> yeah. And it seems like, and it seems like they keep adding more and more. Oh, and, I, and, and I love football, and I love college. Can we yeah. come up with some decent names for these games? For crying out <laughs> yeah. loud! Yes, there's just I don't know. So that's the Belk Bowl. That is way Ugh. more than you asked. That's way more than you asked of me. But I'm giving you my my opinion. Anyways, yeah, love so. it. The, the Charmin Ultra Soft Bowl. <laughs> yeah. that, that would be a, that would be a good one, but it's like yeah, right. I'd watch I mean, that. There, there's some there's some yeah bad name bowls. Like, what even is that? Yeah, the Tax Slayer Bowl. Like, like really a Tax Slayer? Okay, whatever. Yeah, come, yeah. On, yeah. come on. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Andy. Thank you so much for your time. One of the last things I want to talk about. Obviously, we have to talk about this season for the Buckeyes. You know, last year, uh, you know, it was a good year. Uh, ended kind of not. Not on a good note, uh, Alabama kind of really gave it to the Buckeyes in the national championship game. But uh, there were some spots where uh, the Buckeyes could improve on. You know, they had a young secondary uh, that needs to grow. They have a couple of holes to fill uh, this year on the offensive line, and they're breaking in a new quarterback. What, you know, how do you see this year going for Ohio State, and what are going to be the keys to their success? Well, I'd say last year was, because of COVID, was a challenge for everyone. Um, I think – the Big Ten did a good job as far as keeping their players safe the best they could, and then they made the right choice as far as playing the games and 
um, with them having so many young guys in key positions, like their secondary didn't look very, very good in the, in the early on. And yeah, they got exposed against Alabama. But I think right. Alabama had a really good scheme and game planning at Ohio State. And um, it just happens sometimes. Like teams get on a roll and Alabama's good and they just kept the accelerator on and they just kept on putting it on them. Um, that being said, I don't think Ohio State was as bad as Alabama made them out to be. They just had a bad game. Um, couldn't make the adjustments fast enough, that kind of stuff. Um, but I think this year, and I, this sounds very cliche, but they're, they're going to reload. They're, I think there'll be people will question and doubt how good they'll be because of the, the new guys coming in, but those players will come in. Um, and there's so much competition because the talent level there um, that someone's going to come out and shine, period. That's just there's too much talent at Ohio State. There's too much depth for them not to be for them not to perform. So I would be surprised if they're not playing for the Big Ten championship. I'd be surprised if they lost that game, and I would be surprised if they didn't play. You know, get, get to be one of the teams in, in the Final Four. So that's my that's my expectation for Ohio State this year. And they beat Michigan, obviously. I mean, that's just. Have you ever what? seen like? Did you ever think? Do you ever think you'd ever see anything like like this millennium of football games against I, Michigan? Um, I never thought that hiring Jim Harbaugh would make Michigan bad, and they're not. They're not a good team. Like they're not no. good in in any aspect of, of the game. And I'm not saying it to be mean. Like I, I, you watch the games and you're just like, right. They have some good players, but they're just put in bad positions. And I think there is, and to Ohio State's credit, the coaching staff, like Ohio State plays a great game every time against Michigan. They're never flat. They never come out. I mean, even even when JT got hurt in the pregame oh, yeah. by the guy, yeah. the guy who ran him over with the car, Kurt, whatever, like they put it on, they, they put it on Michigan in Michigan. Like worst right. case scenario, your all-star quarterback, blah blah blah, gets hurt. Backup comes in a minute before the game starts. Anyway, so over. Yeah, yeah, right. So and, and they and they still beat him. So um, no, I, I was very happy to see Michigan extend Harbaugh's contract. I think, yeah. um, <laughs> and every Michigan person, every every Michigan fan I know, um, struggles to answer the question of why keeping Jim Harbaugh. But it makes Ohio State fans happy. So, hey, good. Yeah. Hey, listen, yeah. we'll take it. Andy yep. Katzenmore, it has been so much fun having you on, talking a little football. We're all gearing up for Buckeye season, and uh, uh, we cannot tell you how much we appreciate your time. Uh, so thank you for joining us, and uh, maybe we'll catch up with you down the line. That sounds great. Thanks, guys. And once again, that is the incomparable, the amazing, hard-hitting Andy Katz and Moyer. Dudes, how cool was that to have a, a Buckeye legend like that on the show? Uh, honestly, that was like a white whale for me as far as like uh, Ohio State Buckeyes go, man. Like I told you before, it's, you know, my dad was a coach. Again, like I said, like I talked about earlier, for 35 years. And he was always a defensive coordinator. and He was always about hard-hitting just just physical play and, and just, I don't know, for lack of a better term, those badasses like a linebacker and Andy Katz and Moyer was exactly that. And it, it was such a, like, I, I, 
I don't know if this goes too far, but it was an honor for me to even speak to him. That was just awesome. You know, shout out to a couple people. A couple people got it right. Again, we talk about him a lot on this podcast, but uh, uh, Matt Pfeffer uh, from 614 Hockey, he sent me a text. And I wouldn't tell anybody. The only person I told who was coming on, I think, was Tim Elkhorn because I went to lunch with him. Uh, but he sent me a text. He goes, after Chad, you teased it like that one of those times. He goes, Zach Katzenmoyer? And I was like, I don't know. And he was like, I'd know those like, I'd know those like muscle shoulder pads anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it was, it was just. Wilson, I saw your buddy, Nick Wilson. Was he uh, just ecstatic over the oh, moon? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I've, I've received again, you know, Buckeye fans, man. And, yeah. and he is, this is, this is the equivalent. We're Browns fans, right? So it is the yeah. equivalent of like, if we got Clay Matthews on the show or, or you know, like yeah. just one of the all time greats. Uh, and, and so uh, in such a storied program and legacy, a guy that was able to do so much. He was a first, the first freshman linebacker to start for the Buckeyes. Now uh, the first Butkus award winner, uh, the first Jack Lambert trophy winner, an all American, a Rose bowl champion. Like he did everything. They did everything on those teams except win the national championship. And I thought it was really cool to hear him kind of talk about that, about how just his impressions of those teams, the kind of the unfair way we discuss Cooper, uh, nowadays. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and, and I thought that, I thought he was very open and honest about that. And I really appreciated that. Yeah. Same here. I mean, the way he just said, like, and, and obviously, I mean, if you were a player on those teams, what other attitude are you going to take? You know, he just kind of, you know, I could, I could harp on those, you know, those couple of losses and those, you know, big games to Michigan and they were big losses, but with everything that we accomplished, uh, in, in that era, how could I be upset? And like, I mean, he's right. He's right. Yeah, it's disappointing to not win the national championship, but they did. They accomplished a lot through the John Cooper era. Yeah, man, I, it was it was it was so cool talking about him. It was so cool reliving that. But one of my favorite parts about the interview, Chad, I thought it was uh-huh. so refreshing to like listen to him talk about the challenges that those teams faced, right? And sure. the the heartbreaking losses. And obviously, I think, you know, a lot of especially casual Ohio State fans, the way they talk about Cooper and like, oh, he wasn't wasn't all that good. And if you look at what John Cooper did, he's one of the best coaches ever in Ohio State history. He just his teams just never won that last game or that one game. But like, I just thought it was really cool how he kind of opened up about that. He was honest and, and, he, and, he, and he told us like how he felt about it. I thought that was great. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And, you know, and, and he had the right attitude about it. Like, I mean, if you're, if you were a player on those teams, why would you have that attitude? Yeah. Yes. Those losses to Michigan were really tough to take. Yeah. I mean, it, there was, it, it's your biggest rivalry. It's your biggest game of the year, any year at Ohio state, Michigan's going to be your biggest game of the year, but with how much they accomplished so much more on those teams, uh, those John Cooper teams, that you you would you would rather focus on what they did instead of what they didn't yeah. do because because what they didn't do was so little compared to what they did accomplish so yeah I I really appreciated his honesty about that and you know what's funny is like you know people talk about like Jim Harbaugh that he's the John Cooper of no <laughs> he's Mich- he's Michigan's John Cooper no he wasn't you know why John Cooper won big games. He didn't win Michigan. He didn't beat Michigan, but he won big games. Jim Harbaugh doesn't win big games. No. <laughs> so, and listen, it, it's what makes me really appreciate the direction college football is going right now in that, you know, we've got this four-team playoff. I think they're going to just keep kind of expanding that out. I think we'll get to a point where we've got even double-digit team playoff situations. Because, mm-hmm. listen, 
I know the people like, oh, if you add more teams to the playoffs, it does. It means the regular season doesn't matter. No, that's not what that means. And you you sound stupid for saying that. Yeah. When in right. fact, the worst form of football was when you could have an incredible team like some of those Ohio State teams back then, and they take one close loss and their season's just right. over. Just right. up, looks like you guys have no shot at any kind of championship because because right. you got to go up against the best of the best every week and you take one close loss. That sucks. That sucks. I don't, everybody's like, oh, that's how the regular season should be. No, it isn't. That's called a playoff. Right. right. There is no regular season if that's how the regular season is. And that sucks. Right. They didn't get a chance to prove it, but you know, to, to prove that they were one of the best teams on the field. Like they, like a couple of those, like the playoff teams do now. Well, but, that, that uh, year they won the Rose bowl against Jake Plummer and Arizona state. It, right. Had the playoff existed, then they'd have been in the playoff. Like yeah. they were so good. Oh, oh, that Mike, that was number two against number four. That was right. a playoff game goodbye by today's standards. So. Right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. Anyways, man, it was just just kind of reliving, talking about some of the old names, talking about those teams back then. Uh, you know, with Katzenmoyer, and, and uh, it was just it was so fun and uh, such a fun look back. And what a way, guys. What a way for us to just get into what's going to happen tonight. If you're listening to this podcast uh, on the day we release it, that means tonight we've got Ohio State and Minnesota kicking off the Buckeyes football season. And boys, you know, Chad, you talked about it at the very beginning of the podcast. It's 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 college football season. And yeah. I, I can't sit around and watch a bunch of crappy games. But man, Ohio State, when those games are going, I am so excited to watch that tonight. Oh, God. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I was trying to think of uh, to just put it into words, but it's um, any time a Buckeye season kick, kicks off, man. I'm I'm glued to the TV as much as I am the Browns. I mean, it, it's going to be pretty interesting to see this year because they got they they, they bra- they're breaking in a new quarterback. You're you're finally going to see a new face at quarterback and CJ Stroud, and their season. Uh, I mean, is basically going to hinge on how he develops. Uh, I mean, you never know. You've got one of the best quarterback development coaches in the nation in Ryan Day, but CJ Stroud was is a true freshman, and a lot of a lot of guys, uh, you know, a lot of Buckeye teams in the past, you've seen those quarterbacks get a lot of playing time in past games, but they uh, CJ Stroud hasn't gotten enough playing time, so it's going to be interesting to see how he develops throughout the season. As that's kind of my main thing I'm watching, especially against a team like Minnesota who uh, is not going to be a slouch this year in the Big Ten. So I'm interested to see this matchup tonight. Listen, yeah, P.J. Fleck and his group up there in Minnesota, like they are a – they didn't have a great season uh, last year, but Mm -hmm. Minnesota's just one of those teams that they're a tough team. Uh, They got an awesome running back, a guy that's that's supposed to be like kind of a – maybe an All-American type running back. They got a pretty decent defense. Uh, but the craziest thing, the craziest thing for me, I don't care you yeah. know, what you want to say about Ryan Day has never lost a Big Ten game. <laughs> I know. I know. What? I know. That's wild. I know. That's wild. I know. I know. And it's, 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 but I, and, but you know what? I think this is really the first time uh, coming into this year that he has some questions, that he has, he has some questions that need to be answered because you're breaking in, you're breaking in an entirely new linebacking core. You're, you're filling some holes on the defensive line. You had a super young secondary last year that struggled uh, against uh, the more premier receivers. So it's going to be how they develop. This is 
So, like I said, you know, you're right, Mike. He's, Ryan Day's never lost a Big Ten game, so that's definitely something to hang your hat on. But uh, this, to me, this Buckeye team has a lot of questions that are going to get answered here in this first game, and it, I, I'm really excited to see it. Well, the other thing that I am uh, so excited about with the Buckeyes, man, uh, I do. I'm excited for their defense. I think Ohio State prides themselves defensively. And even though they were so good last year, they still didn't play really well defensively most of the year. Nope. nope. I think that's a bit a little embarrassing for Ohio State coaches. So I'm excited to watch the defense grow. Again, mm-hmm. super young uh, uh, defensive backs last year. That's good for this year. Uh, yeah. But you can't you can't talk about this Ohio State team and not talk about wide receivers. Like oh sure sure their wide receiving core is the craziest wide receiving core and, 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 and it's, and it's headlined by Chris Olave and, and Garrett Wilson, right? Like right. two guys yeah. that real good chance. Both of those guys are like top 15 picks in the NFL draft. Yeah. Uh, and, and you've got them both out there and then you've got incredible depth behind them. Like this wide receiver core for a brand new freshman CJ Stroud quarterback. He's got a lot of safety net out there for him. Yeah, yeah, he, he's got a lot of uh, weapons at his disposal, which definitely helps him out. But uh, the, the thing is, he's got, he's got to get him the ball. Yeah, I mean, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are great. I, I, you know, but they're going to – I, I got I to gotta imagine there's going to be times where those guys are going to have to bail CJ out, especially in the early going until he, until he does, until he gets more game experience. But, uh, but no, you're right, Mike. Those, that, the, the bevy of playmakers that he has around him in, at the skill positions are, uh, are, are, I don't know, one of, if not the best in the country. I'm going to tell you the one thing I do love about college football more than anything else, and it, it goes back to kind of high school football too. Teams can't, you can't rest on your laurels. You, you are changing over your team constantly, right? And I love yeah. that about college football. So, mm-hmm. You know, for for what happened last year against Alabama, well, Alabama lost like their whole team. And they're going to have to come back. And they will be a good team again. But Mm -hmm. you don't know that they're going to have some really highly touted quarterback down there in Alabama that kind of sucks. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, that Alabama team isn't the same as it's been. Right? Right. You saw it with LSU, right? Joe Burrow leaves and they're awful. Uh, Now, granted, I don't think Nick Saban would ever let that happen. But you're going to see Clemson. With without Trevor Lawrence as their starting quarterback for the first time in a few years, and I know they've got that other kid that looks good, but you never know. So that's my favorite part say, about it. Try to say his name. Try to say his name. No, it's it's. There's too many consonants <laughs> or vowels or one of the two. I don't D- remember. It's, DJ Ugalalele. Oh, that's right. It's, it's vowels, vowels that I was worried about. <laughs> so, boys, I'm just looking at the Ohio State schedule here. Right, it's 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 not an easy start. Minnesota's been a good team for, uh, you know, under their coach. They're a good team. And then we, the week after uh, next weekend, it's, it's Oregon. Yeah. And that's a challenge of a game. So it's what I, what I like about the, here's what I like about the Ohio state schedule. It starts with a couple challenge games. Yeah. Go on the road to Minnesota and see what you got. Then play what may be a top 10 team in Oregon when you play them. Right. And see how you stack up. And then you get, Tulsa and Akron and, and Tulsa is yeah. always a good offensive team. So it's a good test for the defense, but uh, Tulsa and Akron, then you come into the big 10 and I think 
even Akron is better than Rutgers or Maryland at this point. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then, so it like, it's a good test up front and then they can kind of get into the swing of the season before you face Indiana, which I, Indiana's ranked, but like, I'm not ever worried about Indiana ever. No, I mean, <laughs> right. Yeah. They've got their quarterback. They've got their quarterback coming back. I forget his name right at the moment, but yeah, I know he's, he good. Really he's good. good. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, um, Penix, Pen, Pen, Michael Penix. There you go. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I, I really like that change in the schedule this year, Michael. What you what you alluded to, I I, um, I, I like that they're not playing the Akron's or the Bowling Greens or the Ohio's of the world before they go into their premier non conference matchup. With, you know, with, with Oregon, I like that they're going to get. You know, again, PJ. Don't get me wrong. PJ Fleck has turned that program around or is in the process of turning that, turning that program around and Minnesota isn't, you know, until he got there, Minnesota was essentially a doormat in the big 10, but they're not that anymore with, with, with PJ there. So no. I think they're going to, I think they're going to get a nice test there in week one, which is go- really going to help uh, that the, the new faces on defense you know, going into Oregon next week, who, you know, typically Oregon is a very fast and very athletic team. So it's that, that's going to be, that's going to be very challenging, but but you can't look past the Golden Gophers this week. Yeah, and then you well, you, you better have the challenge at the beginning of the season because you're not going to get it at the end of the season. Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I, don't, I just don't remember the last. I have a couple of Michigan guys that I work with, uh, and they, they've been very quiet since uh, I've been with the current company <laughs> that I'm with. It's it's almost like. Do you know what I feel like when it comes to the Ohio State Michigan thing? I feel like this is what Steelers fans have felt about the Browns for 20 years. Yeah. Yep. It's yeah, been about 100%. the same amount of time. This dominant stretch of Ohio state over Michigan started in like what? 2002 or whatever, like 2001, 2002. Yeah. It's, it's been, I think Michigan's won two games against Ohio state since then, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. like the dominance, this, this is what Steelers fans have felt about the Browns for 20 years. Like, it's almost to the point where it's it's no longer like like I get more hyped up about the Penn State game every year than I do about the Michigan game. Like uh, yeah, like when the, the, the Steelers you sweat a little bit, the Michigan game is Steelers fans get more hyped up at 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 certain points about the Ravens games than they did about Browns games. Uh, it's kind of like that. It, it's it's a weird thing. I was up in uh, Detroit last <laughs> month or the month before, or whatever, whenever it was. I went golfing with a dude that's a big Michigan fan. And he just was kind of like, he's like, dude, we're not, we're not like a football program anymore. Like not to, not to say that they won't get back because they can, but like, he's like, we're just not, it's just, we don't, we don't have the coach. We don't get the players. We don't, uh, the systems aren't good. The recruiting isn't good. And we're like a basketball school now. And that's like what he said. And it was like so defeated and dejected. And I thought he was going to talk shit to me because I have like a Brutus Buckeye head cover on my golf bag. <laughs> and and I thought he was getting ready to like, and he was like, oh, is that a Brutus Buckeye? And I'm like, oh, here we go. Let's do this. And he was just like, oh, <laughs> we suck. And I'm like, oh, oh poor guy. It's amazing to me because Harbaugh is a Michigan guy, right? Yet I, I don't think he takes that game anywhere near as serious as he should. 
I don't get I, it. I, I, that, that was like the advantage of Jim Tressel, wasn't it? And he started mm-hmm. it. He started it. Yeah. When you listen to Harbaugh talk about it, he's like, it's just another game. It's just another right. game. It's just another game. When Jim right. Tressel took the job at Ohio State, he was like, I don't care what else happens this year. We are beating Michigan. You've, you've, we've heard former Buckeyes in the past, like, like Mo Hall came on to this show and said, we spent an hour every single day, no matter what week it was, on Michigan, strictly to beat Michigan. Working fuck, on plays fuck. that we didn't do all year except for in that game. Fuck, fuck. Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow had no reason to care about Ohio State and Michigan anymore. Absolutely zero. He was balls deep in LSU Tiger football. Yeah. Right? And he got asked. What's, well, what, what, what's, what's the, he, he got asked, what's, big, what's the bigger rivalry? Yeah, you know, Alabama and LSU or Ohio State and Michigan? And again, Burrow, no reason to care about that game anymore. And he still called them team up north. He still called them. Yeah. Team up north. That's, that's how ingrained it is at you at Ohio State. And it's just not that way with Harbaugh. It's the, not- guy, the guy's reaction when I golf with the dude, the, his reaction reminded me very much. I used to go with a buddy of mine named Rob. He's a big Steelers fan. And we used to go to a game every year, Brown Steelers, whether it was here or in Pittsburgh. And there were a couple of years where like Thad Lewis was starting or Bruce Gradkowski was starting for the Browns <laughs> because we had run out of players at that point. And like, you know, I'd walk into the Steelers stadium and I have all my Browns gear on ready to go. And of course, you'd have the people that would be like, boo, Browns suck. And I just would turn around and be like, you're really making fun of me like a Browns yeah. fan. Like. <laughs> we yeah we suck like what are you gonna say about it like you're right we're, we're terrible <laughs> and we know it like, and and people would just be like eventually like i would always react kind of like that people would be like oh your tube sucks and i'd be like you don't think i know that and then they would always kind of respond with like yeah man i wish you guys were good again like yeah. it's kind of like that like i can michigan get at least competitive again like i don't mind killing them every year but Jeez, oh, yeah. Pete, it's so bad. The ni- like the nine and three is so deceptive. <laughs> like, oh, like, no, because they play in the Big Ten. So <laughs> right. when they play Rutgers in Maryland, and when they go Purdue. double overtime again against Rutgers, that tells you something. Right. Yes. Well, anyways, yeah, guys, uh, college football full swing. Any any other stories, to Chad or Joe, that you're like interested in in college football? Like any teams that you're like, oh, watch out for them or. Uh, or a team that's been great that you think uh, maybe they're going to suck? Like any other thing you're watching out for? Well, nothing like nothing. Honestly, I'm interested in seeing, I mean, if I'm, I mean, I'm interested in seeing how Cincinnati follows up their season because they've got everybody back. You know, they damn near made it. uh, I think they made it to a new year's day bowl game last year, but, that, I, to me, they're that team. They're that team this year that like could potentially blow up the playoff. Uh, you know, Luke Fickle has done an incredible job down there, and, and yeah. to me, they're that. They're that. They're the kind of the, in my opinion, they're kind of the 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 UCF from a couple years back, like undefeated, like claiming themselves as the national champion. Like they're that team that like is like you, you know you know they're not going to get in the playoff but like if you're like if they just had one chance if they just had one game to me so I'm interested in to see how that develops this year yeah yeah I'm just uh, I'm I'm just ready it's football time man yeah. and I love are you, I, how, how are you how are you feeling about your Aggies Mike listen I, I I think they are ready for that next step 
Mm-hmm. I was not a Kellen Mond fan. Uh, uh, Kellen Mond. What? <laughs> I said, who could be? Is your microphone <laughs> off again, Joe? Are you, it sounds like you're talking on your computer. Is it? I don't know. Maybe. It sounds like you're, uh, maybe not. It just sounds echoey. Oh, no, it is. It is because, you know, whole computer, that probably sounds way better. Oh, it sounds My so whole much better. computer restarted and, uh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, Joe, why do you sound like you're in an echo chamber? Um, so, you know who Kellen Mond reminded me of? Again, Kellen Mond, the former Texas A&M quarterback. He reminded me of a lot of the quarterbacks that were here under Urban Meyer in Ohio State. Uh, I bring up JT Barrett or like Braxton Miller. or the, he's, He was very JT Barrett to me. Maybe even a little Terrell Pryor. Although I think Terrell was a better thrower. Um, killer athlete, right? Like, uh, and, and, and smart. He was smart. He just, he wasn't enough of a quarterback, right? Ah, and so... Uh-huh. The team, A&M, great year last year, right? Just missed out on, on the playoff, and then they won a bowl game and they had a really great year under Jimbo Fisher. But I feel like they kind of did that uh, like in spite of the performance of Kellen Mond. And, and I know he got drafted, and, and, and he's an NFL quarterback now, but I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited to see uh, what they come up with uh, under a new quarterback, uh, a new system, all that stuff. Cause I, I think, I think with a good quarterback, this team is there. I think, I mean, I think they could be really, really good. All right. All so, right. The rank number six coming in. Uh, it's Haynes King is the, uh, is the new starting quarterback and we'll see what happens. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I'm excited, but I'm uh, rooting for AM is very much like rooting for Cleveland. Like, I think they're going to be good, but like, I don't want to go too crazy because, uh, yeah, boys. So anyways, college football. Awesome. We're going to keep it on football for a minute, but we're going to switch it up before we get out of here. Uh, last year or last week with, uh, with Adam, the bull from 92, three, the fan, we did something very fun. We did a, uh, fictional fantasy football draft. Little did we know at the time that there was going to be a high school here in Ohio that was going to pull their own fictional fantasy football, (laughs) except for they were going to be real and they were going to actually play games and they were going to be terrible. And it's going to turn out that like they were all like 28 years old. We got to talk for a minute about Bishop Sycamore High School. Oh, my God. (laughs) This is this is the it, it is the wildest story that I think I've seen in the sports <laughs> world, at least since we started this podcast. I don't think so there's been I, a wilder story. All I could think about, all I could think about, as they're just unraveling the details of this stuff, and they just keep coming. <laughs> and I was so I was so mad at myself last week because one of the fictional fantasy football players that I wanted to draft was Hingle McCringleberry from Key and Peele's uh, sketch. <laughs> and I really wanted to do the East-West sketch. And then I realized that Bishop Sycamore is basically the East-West East West sketch. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> who are these guys? And like, what? The, the coach has arrest warrants out. It turns out there were some players that were like actually high school age back when like in the early 2000s. It's a crazy... I, Joe, I think you're right. I think... Like, 
Tiger King and Bishop Sycamore, two of the craziest things. Yeah, hopefully that means that the pandemic's over because like I, it's too crazy. Um, what I one of my there's so many memorable moments from that game. Um, but <laughs> one Bishop of my favorites Sycamore is game? there was a player that got injured on Bishop Sycamore, and like they just like didn't have them on the rot. It was like number fifty eight. It was like it looks like number fifty eight's down and. Uh, we actually don't have a 58 on their roster, so we don't know who this is. Well, so it's funny because I was on I was on a podcast of one of our fellow uh, uh, Belly Up podcast, Corner Booth. I was on with them last night, and they brought up that same point. But I had to tell them that happens all the time. Oh, really? That happened to Chad and I on Friday night. We were calling a game North Royalton and Highland, and there were like four players that we were like, uh, there's a number 70, and there isn't a number 70 on the roster. But it does happen. <laughs> All right, that's it. And you know what? You know what? I think one of the things that's getting lost in with all the twists and turns that keep coming out about this is so ESPN decides to do this game with Bishop Sycamore and AMG Academy, and ESPN readily admits, "Hey, Bishop Sycamore said we have all these Division One recruits, but uh, we couldn't verify that." Or they said, uh, I don't know, they're the school in Columbus, but we didn't really find an address or we didn't really find like, like what an oversight by ESPN. Like big, yes, big oversight. You find like, you find, you find out all this information raising red flags and they just went, nah, it's probably true. Let's keep the game on. (laughs) You know, it's wild too. Like their entire um, schedule for this year is against, Elite, elite football programs across the country. Oh and, yeah, St. Ed's. They, they had four uh, teams out of that schedule drop off, but still on the schedule is St. Ed's. Like they are still scheduled to play this school. No, that's that's done. No, that's done. That's done. I, they dropped that. Really? Yeah, St. Ed's. A, a report came out today that St. Ed's is looking for a new team. That, oh, okay. Well, the article I was reading was fifteen hours old, so it must have come. <laughs> within the past couple hours that they canceled that it's it is so here's here's the thing that i thought like on a more serious note um this the teams that scheduled to play them like i think there's some very like it's a very funny kind of thing to talk about but there are very serious implications of what happened like imagine okay so imagine imagine you're a dad you're a parent and your kids in high school Right, and imagine your kid's going to St. Ed's, and is committed and play, to a D one school, and they play this Bishop Sycamore team, and your kid gets hurt, like your kid breaks his leg. Come to find yeah. out, the the guy he broke his leg against was like twenty seven years old, and like this whole thing was fake. Like, imagine the repercussions. Yeah, sure. I'd be livid. I'd be sure. livid. Like you, yeah. my kids just went up against who? And nobody uh-huh. vetted this. Right. Right. Like oh, th- th- there's the element of it. And, and, and I, I love keeping it light and talking about the funny part, but there's the element of it. That shit's not funny. No, you're adults. No. You're adult men going up against kids. Oh, and and dude, you got slaughtered. That part's funny, but like somebody gets hurt. There's lawsuits. There is hell to pay. Oh, dude. It, and it doesn't end there. This Roy Johnson, uh, who just got, fired from i don't know how the fuck you get fired from like not a real job anyway <laughs> but 
but uh, he, he's, he seems like an awful person. And one of the things that you read about one of these former players is, is that they never went to school. They, they kept, they, they got put up in this hotel. They got tricked and they got put up in this hotel where this Roy Johnson started writing checks that kept bouncing to where these guys couldn't live in this hotel. Yes. Oh. And to top that all off, when they got kicked out of the hotel, they moved into this house. These kids were sleeping on the floor. Yes. And they had to, they, they, they gave them so little, they had to rob a Meyer, a Kroger, or a Walmart because they, they didn't get anything to eat. They had oh. to eat. <laughs> like so this Roy Johnson guy is is not a good person. I'm telling you, there's gonna be some serious hell to pay for uh for some of these people that were involved in this. Uh and then the other thing, like, right, this school is not fake. Bishop Sycamore is not a fake school, it's like an online charter school. Like somebody's got to be involved in like uh, that process too. Like the, the whole thing, it just, go ahead. Well, it is fake. It is fake because you go, like you go to the Bishop Sycamore website. There's, there's nothing on there. There's no staff, but like you go under the staff tab, it's blank. You go under the about us, it's blank. There's just like a vanilla, like I know. picture of, of a football player. Like there's nothing about there's no mention of classes, no mention of nothing. Like there's there's testimony by a former player saying they never went to school. They went to a library one day, like after the season was over. Jeez, jeez, <laughs> like wow. it, it's a complete fake school. Like, like it's, it's a total scam. It is absolutely like theater of the absurd to the highest degree, and it's <laughs> and like I said, like if it happened in like a semi-pro football league, it'd be hilarious, right? Like some yeah. fake ass team led by Keanu Reeves just comes out there and just starts <laughs> dropping dimes and losing. If it was in like a semi-pro league, hilarious. But the fact that it was with high school kids, man, it, it's so serious and so crazy. It's a good lesson. It's a good lesson. I'm super glad it, it happened in Ohio. It's oh, the yeah. most. Ex- it's the most exclusive non-existent school ever. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, did anybody really? ever figure out who Bishop Sycamore is? <laughs> no, no, no. Apparently, apparently, like all like the Catholic diocese school, whatever, they don't recognize. Like, it's there's there's no like no one says Sycamore after Bishop in like the Catholic schools, like anywhere in the country. Oh my <laughs> like, god, it just doesn't exist. Well, luckily. <laughs> No kids got hurt in the process of Bishop Sycamore faking their way onto football fields and they got caught and we're not going to have to put any other kids at risk out there on the field with them. And just crazy. Uh, Last last thing, last thing I'm going to say on this is Andre Peterson, this founder, one of the founders of this Bishop Sycamore school is like, he's either, he's either really trying to play dumb, like, like, (laughs) or he's just—he's either really dumb, or he's like like he's just trying to just follow through with this uh, scam until the last minute because he that says one. This, he's it's quoted, that one. He's quoted as saying, "If it's a scam and the kids aren't going to school, then I'm scamming myself." Oh no! <laughs> like, oh no! no. <laughs> they're, they're not going to school, Andre. Okay, they're not. You're, I don't know you're what scamming you're doing. yourself. You've scammed yourself. <laughs> uh, 
speaking of high school football, if you ever want to just hear Chad and I having a good time, Chad and I called our first high school football game of the season together last week, uh, North Royalton Highland, and we're going to be back on the call this week. Uh, yeah. Highland and Brunswick. Uh, so if you ever want to just listen to us Friday nights, we post the link, and I think Garage Beers posted it last week too, so we'll do that again. Yeah. But it's a good time. Uh, boys, there's one other story that happened in sports this week that I wanted your opinion on. Okay. Uh, and this is something that we all uh, can have a really good opinionated uh, uh, conversation about. The New York Mets situation with the players and the fans. Oh, yeah. Specifically <laughs> revolving around Francisco Lindor <laughs> and Javi Baez, who apparently were fed up with getting booed for poor performance. So every time they do something good, they turn to the fans and they give them the thumbs down. Thoughts? Uh, I kind of side with the fans. Because, um, like, look, like, Frank, I love Frankie. I don't really care about Javi, but, like, they're just guys on your team. Like, they're the fan. The Mets are funded by the fans, just like any major league sport. Like, if you want to boo your team for playing bad, like boo your team for playing bad. Like it's just guys on your team. Like if they're going to be petty and give you the thumbs down when they do well, then uh, you're probably rooting for the wrong team because you're a Mets fan to begin with. But uh, <laughs> it's just so dumb. Like stop, just play, play the game. Yeah. I think, uh, I think uh, it was a really bad look. Like I, I'm in the boat of there's certain players that I'm not going to say a lot of bad stuff about. Frankie Lindor is one of them. I, I I really do hate, I hate all the people that are like, ah, oh, Frankie Lindor is only hitting two twenty something. Ha ha ha. He sucks. Like that dude was a, an absolute pleasure to watch for the Indians for years. Yeah. Like an absolute pleasure and a joy to watch for years here with the Indians. Oh, and the favorite and, part and is like when had, people comment like, oh, I bet you like wish you stayed in Cleveland is like. They didn't offer him. <laughs> right. And he he most definitely would have been happy to stay in Cleveland could they have given him nearly what he was worth. Yeah. What he was worth. And so would Frankie Lindor tell you that he's having a year that he wants to have? No. No, of course not. But Frankie Lindor was an absolute pleasure as a Cleveland Indian. He was fun on the field, off the field. He was great in the city of Cleveland. I'm never going to talk bad about Frankie. This was a bad look. This was a bad look. This is bad. This is bad. This is petty. This is like pettiness to the to the to the umpteenth degree. Like turning he brings out the worst in Frankie. Doing that to the fans, man. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. If you can't handle booing when you're playing bad, get the fuck out of sports. Mm-hmm. Like, 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 get get out of get out of. Because you're not going to change your mind. Like, uh, you are just a guy <laughs> right. to the fans. You're just another player playing to the fans. Right. God, and I don't right. remember, Chad, somebody else, and I, another athlete made your point exactly. And I wish I remember who it was so I could shout him out here, but I don't remember who it was, but they basically said the same thing. Listen, if, I, if I'm playing like shit out there, I expect to get booed. Yeah. It's oh, not I personal. Think it was Derek Dieter. Uh, it was, I didn't see a Jeter quote, but I saw yeah, a Jeter okay. quote where he was batting like two, two, like twelve or something like that, and he's like, "I would have booed me too if I was watching." Yeah, it was. Play. You know what? You're right. It was that quote. It was that like, quote. Yeah, like of of all the worst, like of all the worst things, like fans could do, like yeah. I mean, fans paid their hard earned money. I, I I don't know. I I I don't want to make that excuse, but like 
booing is booing booing is part of the game. Like if, yeah. if you're playing bad, if you're playing bad, fans are going to boo. It's just something you're going to have to get over mentally. And if you're that, and and if you're that mentally soft to where you can't get over that, and you have feel like you have to react like that, then you shouldn't be playing professional baseball. Well, I'm going to tell you what: if that team is that mentally soft, with all the talent they have on the Mets, if they're that mentally soft, they'll never win <laughs> jack squat. Uh uh-uh. No, they won't. They'll never win squat. That that was that was embarrassing. Like I said, I love I, I love Francisco Lindor. I still love Francisco Lindor. I would take him back on the team in a heartbeat. But uh, that was that was embarrassing, uh, and it was a bad look. So oh, also I I think they're down another GM right. Their second uh, GM of the year got arrested. Yeah, he got a DUI. He got a DUI. That's so a, not as bad as that creepy guy before, but like still nope. pretty bad. Uh. Everything about the Mets organization is just shambles. And then you've got <laughs> yeah. their owner. Then you got their owner who's like active on Twitter. Oh, no. And, and who like bickers with fans. The whole thing is just, I don't want my owner. You know what? I, I would, I'm fine with an owner being active on Twitter if it's like that kind of like, it's like a business account almost, right? Like they just talk about like fundraisers that happen with the team or like, Hey, come to this ballpark, yeah. but there's no like interaction. There should never like, be like any the, interaction yeah. there. Like, like their owner is like, he said something like, I don't remember the joke he made, but he was like, remember when the biggest controversy around our team was like something else. And it was like, Jesus Christ, like their whole team is in shambles. Uh, but Mets, Mets is the Mets. The Mets, Mets is, is the Mets. Mets are going to Mets. Mets, Mets, Mets are going to Mets. <laughs> All right, boys, it is time for us to wrap this one up. But before we do that, of course, our final segment of the show every week where the boys scramble at the last second to figure out a cheer of the week. We're going to start with our three cheers of the week. And again, I let us off. I, I let us off in beers. So I'm going to lead us off on cheers. Time what, out, Chad? Time out, time what, out, Chad? Joe, I just sent you a, a link. Are you able to play that or no? Absolutely. You want me to play right now? Okay. Cause it's well, it's going to be my cheers. It's going to oh, be my cheers. I'll key, I'll key you up. Well, right. are you going to start it? If you can start it at like ten <laughs> seconds, if you can start it at like ten seconds, yeah, that's going to be my cheers of the week. All gotcha. right, I'm going to start with my cheers. Chad's Chad's going to go last because that is okay. a hell of a lead up. Uh, so I just talked about uh, my fondness for Francisco Lindor. I talked about uh, uh, I, I am I'm, a, I'm still to this day a Lindor fan. I would take him back in a heartbeat. I've been a bit harsh on Ahmed Rosario. My cheer this week goes to Ahmed Rosario because the dude has been, it's been like a month now of Ahmed Rosario being like one of the best offensive shortstops in baseball. Uh, Leading up uh, yesterday to Ahmed Rosario with like an inside the park homer and then like a regular homer and singles, a bunch of more RBIs. And like, I don't know. I've called him out here. I've said to me, a lot of what he done has done. hasn't been super impactful. It's been like, weird timing, but like, I don't know. I'm, I'm eating my words on a med Rosario right now. And there's a, he's not an old guy. He's a young guy. He's got plenty of room left to grow. I don't know, boys. Again, it's going to take a lot for me to say that like the Indians really won the Lindor trade or like came out ahead of the Lindor trade. Cause I just think Lindor is special here, but this dude, Ahmed Rosario plays like this. Uh, the Indians might have actually pulled off trading their franchise player and getting a really good return back. Like, super yeah. cheers to Ahmed Rosario. Tip of the cap. I've been a little harsh on him, but super tip of the cap. He has been so good this last month. 
Wow. Very so nice. that's my that's my chair. Joe, what's your chair of the week? Um, I'm going to bring it right back around to college football. I'm cheersing the start of the 2021 college football season. Even Woo-hoo! though I won't be watching games on Thursdays or Tuesdays, I will be watching my butt, guys. And Tailgate, baby. That is that. Go. Let's go. All right, let's go. All right, Chad. Joey, cue him in, man. Uh, do you want to lead it off, or should we just play it? Uh, yeah, my cheers this week goes out to the uh, Henrico, uh, <laughs> Henrico, Virginia school board meeting. Oh no! Whoever the whoever the prankster that that wrote this list. <laughs> oh yes, so good. And was a, and was able to make and was able to, to I don't know somehow get this school board. <laughs> to announce these names, as, uh, to announce these names as to who was gonna, who was uh, being called up to speak at the meeting, is is is. <laughs> you get my cheers of the week because this is just amazing. And I know Joey's got a video for you, but this was total Simpsons in, in, in at Moe's uh, prank <laughs> when Bart Simpson was uh, pranking Moe's. Just play it, Joe. Just play it. <laughs> I think that might be it. I don't know if that's it. That is it. That is it. Okay, good. What? Wait. Uh, Melissa Dart. Wait. Aaron okay, Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, so my cheers, God. My, oh, my, my cheer, God. My cheers goes out to whoever that prankster was oh. that was... That snuck those names in because that was like I don't know if it, I don't know if it was too soon I don't know if it was too soon but that Malaysian flight that got that got lost at sea and whoever that intern was that got that news anchor oh to read the no, names that was, of those that was Malaysian the pl- pilots that was the plane that skidded off the runway at San Francisco Airport whatever whatever yes. I, 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 like, we I too low uh, yeah holy fuck. <laughs> Bang ding ow. Uh, the only reason that made me laugh is, so hard uh, I, was just, <laughs> I was just picturing some intern in the back just laughing his ass off. <laughs> Captain something wrong. Something wrong. <laughs> we too low. Oh, 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 holy fook. And bang ding ow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> that was really good, Chad. Uh, that is one hell of a way to wrap up our three cheers of the week. Those are our cheers of the week. Send us your cheers of the week. Uh, anything good, anything funny, anything you want to shout out, we'll uh, we'll help you get the word out on that. So that's going to do it for this episode, episode 79 of the Garage Beers podcast. Special thanks goes out, as always, our special guest this week, uh, an incredible interview, Andy Katz and Moyer. Go Buckeyes, baby. It is Ohio State football time. Uh, and uh, hopefully you're listening to this on opening day of Ohio State football or after, and maybe Ohio State won by a ton. Either way, hope you enjoy the Andy Katzenware interview and our thanks to Andy for coming on. Thank you to our uh, our network, uh, the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network, as well as Unhinged Radio. Go follow them on their socials, on Twitter and all, all that. And of course, our final thank you goes out to you, the listener. We hope you enjoyed episode 79. Uh, and we cannot tell you how much we appreciate you listening, how much we appreciate you subscribing. Uh, so get over to subscribe, subscribe to our YouTube. We've got some awesome interviews coming up, some hockey interviews, some Olympic interviews, some Indians. We have an Indians interview you are not going to want to miss uh, coming up uh, and so much more. So get over, uh, follow our YouTube and subscribe to that. But uh, as always, we appreciate the ratings, the likes, the shares, all of that. Uh, so, guys, that's going to do it for Joey down in Nashville, Tennessee. At Garage Beers, Joe for Chad over on the east side of Cleveland. At Garage Beers, Chad. I am Michael Keefe at Garage Beers, Mike, saying this was episode 79. See you next week, episode 80. Cheers, everybody. Cloud is powering tomorrow's transformative missions. Federal agencies are partnering with SAIC to help them meet these critical moments. Where bold moves require confident blueprints. Where you can accelerate transformation through consistency. Where you can innovate forward and never look back. SAIC quickly and securely migrates large-scale workloads to the cloud with the confidence you need to assure your mission. Learn more at SAIC.com cloud. The motto for 2022 is out with the old, in with the bold. And if you're ready to revamp your career, your relationships, or your money this year, check out Modern Life. It's a new podcast and newsletter from Fidelity Investments with fresh perspectives from people defining success on their own terms and tips to help you do the same. Search Modern Life wherever you find your podcast to follow and subscribe. Keep in mind that investing involves risk. The value of your investment will fluctuate over time and you may gain or lose money. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC, 900 Salem Street, Smithfield, Rhode Island, 02917. Thank you.